This podcast should not be considered as medical or legal advice. If you are looking for such advice, then do contact a professional. But please find someone that has a brain and can think critically about what's going on in the world today. This is the Collective Resistance Podcast with your hosts, Leo and Fabiola. We will be discussing why we find ourselves resisting the narratives of the common collective, as well as why the common collective resists new information. Fabiola, how are you doing today? Hey, Leo, I'm doing good. How are you? Good, good. So we're back in the saddle here, season six, Mm -hmm. and uh, we had our kind of dream episode there that we let off the season with, with Dr. Tom Cowan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're trying to get back into the, uh, uh, the fold of, uh, of uh, kind of bringing some of the news that we're experiencing and, and uh, at least we think is important. Uh, but we're also going to have more interviews this season. But today we wanted to kind of focus on the World Economic Forum, given that it just had their tw- 2022 session that uh, I think wrapped up over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, Starling propaganda. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, we, we thought that uh, a lot of people may not be familiar with the World Economic Forum. So it might be smart to just kind of go right to the horse's mouth, if you will. Sure. And that horse's mouth is Klaus Schwab. So we'll we'll talk a little bit uh, in a minute about who Klaus Schwab is, but we thought, let's just dive in as if we are members of the World Economic Forum, and we are sitting there in the conference room listening to his opening remarks, which are about eight minutes long, and and we think that uh, this will kind of give some framework, because I think he goes over the three or four uh, topics that they are really focusing in at this annual meeting. So let's I go wonder ahead. if they offer barf bags. Barf bag. I believe so. I believe so. Or for this event... So let's go ahead and... I may need one. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, let's see what Klaus starts out with, and then we will, uh, for those of you who do not know who he is, we'll, we'll go into that afterward with some interesting insights that uh, both I, myself, and, and Fabi have, uh, have picked up from some research. Let's do it. Distinguished heads of governments, distinguished heads of states, of course, Dear partners and friends of the World Economic Forum, a very cordial welcome to the annual meeting 2022 in the spring of Davos. We are very glad to be together again in person. And of course, we have a very rich program. The theme of our coming together is history at the turning point. Government policies, corporate strategies. We will focus the program mainly on four different areas. First, the war in Ukraine, the aggression on Ukraine. And I have the particular pleasure to welcome a very strong 
delegation from Ukraine among us, composed by members of the government, composed by members of the parliament, by the mayor of Kiev and his brother and other mayors, and of course also by the young generation. Can I ask all our participants from Ukraine to stand up and to give them a special welcome? We're, we're clapping for, for, for Ukraine. Okay, we're doing our part. This war is really a turning point of history and it will reshape our political and our economic landscape in the coming years. But we also are at the tail end of the most serious health catastrophe of the last hundred years, COVID-19, and we have to reinforce our resilience against a new virus possibly or other risks which we have on the global agenda. We also have to address urgently the issue of climate change and all the other issues related to the preservation of nature. And finally, we look at the future of the global economy with great concerns. Too high inflation, too low growth, too many deaths. But what is particularly worrisome are the consequences, such as falling back of hundreds of millions of people again into poverty and possibly tens of millions of people dying of hunger. We have to be really concerned about those issues. And that's what we want to do here during this meeting. So how can Davos contribute to improving the state of the world. First, we know that all those challenges cannot be met by governments alone, by business alone, or by civil society alone. We need collaborative efforts. And the World Economic Forum here, Davos here, you here, I think it's the most impressive community for global cooperation. Second way of contributing to make this a better world is to look at all those issues in a holistic way. Political, economic, social and ecological dimensions of every issue today are intertwined. So here we are and you may ask, why do we have 400 sessions? It's a, it is to deal with all the aspects of our global system. And finally, when I looked at the short video, I was thinking, should we have an atmosphere of optimism or pessimism? I think we should be joyful and grateful that we can meet again here in person. It's so important because confidence can only be built by personal 
contact. But let's also be clear. The future is not just happening. The future is built by us, by a powerful community as you here in this room. We have the means to improve the states of the world. But two conditions are necessary. The first one is that we act all as stakeholders of larger communities. That we serve not our only self-interests, but we serve the community. That's what we call stakeholder responsibility. And second, that we collaborate. And this is the reason why you find many opportunities here during the meeting to engage into very action and impact-oriented initiatives to make progress related to specific issues on the global agenda. So I'm sure that we will have a very successful meeting by working together. And it's now my great pleasure to introduce the president of the Swiss Confederation, Ignacio Cassis, and I want to use this opportunity, Mr. President, to thank you for the great hospitality, for the cooperation we had with our host country since over 50 years to make this meeting possible in Davos. And I want to thank also the representatives of the canton of uh, Graubünden and the authorities and the population of Davos. Thank you for your great hospitality here in this global village of Davos. Again, a very cordial welcome to all of you, but in addition, I should say at the end, and I spoke about the forum as a stakeholder community, I would like to in addition to the political representatives, the Forum is the International Organization for Public-Private Cooperation. So your presence, the heads of over 50 governments, the ministerial delegations, is so important. But I want to thank you also, our partners, our business partners. You have kept your loyalty to the Forum, despite the fact that we couldn't meet for quite some time. And I want to greet also the representatives of, uh, the, um, of our young generation, which we have here, of our social entrepreneurs. So it's really the best mix to make progress in dealing with the, with the issues on the global agenda. And now, Mr. President, I invite you to take the floor and to give us our welcome, your welcome address. Thank you. All right. <laughs> just barf. Yeah. Oh. Well, you just experienced it. You experienced the opening. Did you fall asleep? I know. We, I, look, I <laughs> wanted to set the tone. Okay. I know you were over here uh, convulsing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, clown. Clown Schwab. Yeah. So, but let's talk a little bit about Klaus. So, sure. Um, if we must if put we our must. energy. 
Um, Into clown. Klaus Schwab. So he is 84 years old. Oh, wow. 84. He's in good shape. So, is he a clown? Yeah. Maybe a bot? <laughs> yes. You know, I'm sensing some hostility. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you're meaning. Okay, to I'll try to keep my composure. Okay, okay. So uh, he is a German engineer and economist. He is the founder of the World Economic Forum, and he has served as its chair since its founding in '71. Uh, that's 1971, not 1871. <laughs> but, uh, it says 1871. No, no, no. I'm just. I mean, is been, that Wikipedia? He, he's been around a while. Okay. <laughs> okay. But uh, he's also uh, penned uh, several books. Uh, some of the ones that I'm sure that you were forced to read <laughs> in college: The Fourth Industrial Revolution, Shaping the Future of the Fourth Industrial Revolution, COVID-19, The Great Reset, a page turner. We all know that one Woo. came out. That he wrote in what two months? Yeah, he wrote in two months. It came man. out, I believe, early to what mid a man. 2020. Uh, then there's stakeholder capitalism, a global economy that works for progress, people mm -hmm. and planet. And then uh, the most recent one here in 2022 is the Great Narrative. Oh my gosh! For a better future. The Great Narrative. I wonder what that one says. We should buy that one. We should get that one. Check. Maybe it out. they have it in audio. But I mean, listen our now you you trips. you had a little bit of a background yeah, that I you mean, found. What what did you want to? Let's just be real. The internet seems like it's. I don't know if that's even possible. It's even more dead from yeah, we day were, to day. We were trying to check this you can out. Find anything, like anything. But anyways, what's circulating on the Telegram socials? Gotta look this up, man. It's about Klaus' uh, daddy. Oh. Yes. Uh, Klaus was once a baby. He was once a baby in 1938. He was he was just born. Um, so his dad, apparently, from what the socials are saying, I found one article when I went to Yandex because I couldn't oh, find it. Oh, that's Russian disinformation. <laughs> Russian, Russian disinformation. Can't find anything anywhere else. Putin it's put Putin. That up. It is Putin. Um, so his daddy's name, or should I should I be more respectful? His father. Okay, his father. How do they say that in German? I don't know. Father. father. <laughs> <laughs> we need we need Jackie here yeah. <laughs> to give us some help. Um, so his father's name is interesting, Eugene Schwab. And there's a picture here we're going to post it on the show notes of the two of them, Eugene, which Eugene kind of looks like him in the picture. But anyways, Eugene um, was Klaus' father, and um, he was in charge of Asker Weiss, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. I'll, Your German is impeccable. I, I will check that with my sources tomorrow if I'm... Uh, pronounce this correctly but so eugene he was a strategic um a strategic enterprise of nazi germany and had his own his very own concentration camp where prisoners had to work for free ask her wise and just uh as a reminder of one of Klaus' most famous quotes you will own nothing and you will be happy. Yeah, but you you have to say it like that. You can't, 
you will own just nothing and you will be happy. <laughs> just remember, he's a Santa Claus picture circulating yes, yes. around Christmas. But funny because he's talking about, you know, the global, what is it? The uh, the climate crisis. Climate crisis. It's, cause, it's causing everything. Yes. You know? And uh, they all went to Davos, apparently, and, you know, black limousines. And private jets. Private jets, helicopters. But, you know, uh, climate change sounds like a, it's a very important uh, point, topic of conversation in their very powerful circles. Yeah, well, and... and you know, all joking aside, I know we're we're using heavy sarcasm today, <laughs> but um, you know, we thought that, and maybe I should just say I thought it was important. I mean, I think that 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 uh, you're over the WEF, clearly. Uh, I mean, propaganda. Yeah, right? you, heard, you 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 heard him in his uh, little preamble there say that uh, there are four hundred sessions, four hundred sessions. Uh, to dive into because there are, I think how he put it, there are uh, so many problems <laughs> that impact the global system. Okay, I'm, we I'm, just I'm, don't know who exactly is creating these problems, these these apparent uh, problems that we have. The worst, what was it? The worst, worst health catastrophes. That what he said. I, I, About I, COVID? I think I had... Did you understand him? I had fallen asleep at that oh, point. Oh, yeah. You hadn't kicked me yet. Yeah. So we we should have probably left our mics on because you, you had <laughs> We some had pretty, so much commentary. You, you had some pretty good outbursts. It could have no, been like a Mystery Science Theater 3000. But anyways, uh, Klaus. Yeah, yeah. So, so, I mean, I think it's interesting if you think about this guy who... Uh, um, I mean, this he's a, older gentleman. He's a professor as well. I mean, he he's, uh, I think it was the uh, Geneva University. I was looking at uh, the Wikipedia page, and uh, let's see here. At career. Yeah, University of Geneva from mm-hmm. 72 mm-hmm. to 2003. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's an honorary professor there. Yeah. Um, so, so I mean, I think it's... Very a, important person. It's interesting. VIP. This guy rises to prominence. Um, and, and remember, this organization has been around for a long time now. And I will be honest, uh, you know... We have dove into a lot of these other organizations, not on the podcast, but just you and I, you know, reading and whatnot. When we talk about like the Bilderberg Group, mm-hmm. the Council on Foreign Relations, mm-hmm. the Club of Rome, you know, all mm-hmm. these things. We've dug into some of these groups, uh, but I really had never heard of Klaus. I'd never Me heard of Klaus. Either. And I'd never heard of the uh, World Economic Forum before. The pandemic. I think began. because they are the emergent faction, you know. Yeah, it could be, could be. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But just to think, they've been around since the '70s, but before I was born, and before you were born as well. And and uh, thank you. <laughs> and and uh, they uh, have been basically um, brainwashing generations of entrepreneurs and. Uh, 
political leaders. And uh, you think political leaders need to be brainwashed? Well, yeah, I realize that they're dealing with some pretty mushy gray matter as it is. But, but um, <laughs> you know, I, I think that that is kind of uh, it blows you away because something as I would think is important as this. I mean, if if these leaders and these um, you know, in industry and in politics are, are coming together annually, you would think this would be something they would tell you about mm-hmm. in school. Yeah. That this this forum... Must be the timeline shift, you know? It must be, Candace yeah. It must be a little back. Mandela effect yeah. or something. It's, yeah. oh, yes, we did tell you yeah. about us. You just don't remember. Yeah. You know. They just weren't around when Haas avocados were spelled H-A-A-S. Okay, okay. Yeah, let's not go down that rabbit hole till another <laughs> episode, okay? Um, we don't have to talk about that now, Okay. <laughs> Uh, but let's let's uh, do this. We we did listen to him. I, I guarantee this gets more interesting. So there is a clip. It's five minutes. Uh, I'm going to call it the greatest hits at the uh, conference. And this is going to be... We're just trying to fill you in, guys. We are. Okay. And, and this is going to be people like... Um, I think his name is Alex Borla. The uh, Oh, he's my favorite. Is it Alex? Let's see here. Albert. Albert Borla. He's the CEO of Pfizer. Oh. Uh, and he's quite proud of himself. And there's also people like Bill Gates in this clip. Oh, and, Dr. Gates. Yes, Dr. Gates. And so we just kind of hear some random um, snippets from uh, the, the conference on topics that they're talking about. So here, and then we'll, we'll, we'll discuss Let's these do it. after that, okay? It is a basically biological chip that it is in the tablet. And once you take the tablet and dissolves into your stomach, sends a signal that you took the tablet. So imagine the applications of that, the compliance, uh, the insurance companies to know that the medicines that patients should take, they do take them. Uh, it is uh, fascinating what happens in, in uh, this field. We're developing through technology an ability for consumers to measure their own carbon footprint. What does that mean? That's where are they traveling? How are they traveling? What are they eating? What are they consuming on the platform? So individual carbon footprint tracker. Mm. Stay tuned. We don't have it operational yet, but this is something that we're working on. We want vaccines that are infection blocking and long duration, which today, you know, the vaccines have saved millions of lives, but they don't have uh, much in the way of duration and they're not, they're not good at infection blocking. Yeah. You vaccinate not only for yourself, you vaccinate also to protect society and particularly to protect those that you love the most because they are the ones that you are together. The, the rise in billionaires has been, you know, unprecedented during the pandemic and there's been several sectors where that has been mostly concentrated and one is in fact the pharma sector because COVID has been one of the most um, profitable products ever. So that's um, uh, one point to discuss in, and our report out today is called Profiting from Pain how those delays in in making this technology available and um, really having people vaccinated early has contributed to that. It's not only the direct health um, impacts, but it's the economic, social um, impacts on all parts of the population. And in reality, an increase in inequality, reversing the trend of the last few years where, you know, inequality had reduced between rich countries and poor countries. Unfortunately, now it has widened 
and and the the statistic was saying every 30 hours um, a new billionaire was vintage during the pandemic and in every the same rate in 2022 a million people are falling into extreme poverty you can run around the planet and there isn't any country on the planet that isn't feeling and living the impacts of the climate crisis droughts fires mudslides floods storms with greater intensity that comes from the increased moisture coming from the ocean which comes from the increased heat going into the ocean because 90 percent of the warming of the planet goes into the ocean and the oceans they are at risk the chemistry changing faster than they have in millions of years and you can't solve the problem of the oceans if you don't solve climate you can't solve the problem of climate if you don't solve the ocean People need to understand that 51% of the oxygen we breathe comes from the ocean. So we're, 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 we're dealing with a crisis here, folks. That's a crisis made by human beings. How many vaccinations do we need in the future? That's a very good question. And I think, uh, first of all, I think we will need vaccinations in the future, but also I'm concerned that the compliance of the population yeah. with the recommendations of the experts will not be very high. It is a basically biological chip that it is in the tablet. And once you take the tablet and dissolves into your stomach, sends a signal that you took the tablet. So imagine the applications of that, the compliance, the compliance, the compliance. More people did the first dose and then lesser did the second and then lesser will do the third and the fourth. And um, so for that reason, we need to find the solution that makes it easy for people to get. And I think this solution, it is the number one priority is to have a vaccine that lasts a year. So once people know that it is once a year, I do it every autumn, for example, fall, uh, I think that will improve the amount of people that they're getting the vaccine. And I think you there are also certain attempts to combine it with a anti-flu Vaccine. That is another very good way to make it, uh, uh, to, to improve compliance. If someone thinks that I'm going to go to the doctor or to the pharmacy, but at least with one shot I will get two, flu and that also will increase the number. So these are the things, it's very difficult to improve the efficacy right now, it's very, very high. But what you can improve it is uh, how convenient it is and how can last the efficacy for a longer period of time. We want vaccines that are infection blocking and long duration, which today, you know, the vaccines have saved millions of lives, but they don't have uh, much in the way of duration and they're not, they're not good at infection blocking. It is a... Uh... All right, Febby. Uh... I just, I just thought it was, you, you know... Were little... You were doing a lot of laughs. Yes, I mean, yeah, I wish you guys were in the room with us here. We were having a ball. You wouldn't be able to hear the clips with all yeah, the yeah. conjecture. Yeah, uh, interesting because they have a you know Doctor Bill Gates over there. Uh, but there's a they they went over a lot. I mean, they, well, they, the Doctor Bill Gates is talking about you know how he wants the 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 vaccines were not very good at infection blocking, and then you have you know or the, duration or duration, and then you have Boris saying how it's so important to take the vaccines to protect others because you do it for others. Yes, and he's worried. And he's very worried. About uh, yeah. the, the anti-vaccinators. And, and how in the 30, what is it, 1 billion there every 30 minutes? Is minted. Yeah. What, what did she say? Uh, she said it was the 
price from the of pain, pain, the price of pain, pain or something. Mm-hmm. Seem like they sounds like they're so concerned, and so much pain. And then, and then I did like the um, the carbon footprint monitor that you can uh, chip yourself and know. In your pill, they're going to take. Yes. And that they're going to know because your doctor's going to get a signal. So, I mean, I just want want everybody to think these people are, like you said, 400 sessions, okay? Now, I can tell you that I've gone to conferences, you know, I I think of the... uh, Amazon Web Services Conference, and it has, it's probably very similar. It's probably four or 500 sessions that they have, you know, and, and, and I attend probably, you know, 13 or 14 sessions because that's about all there, you know, there's only so much mm-hmm. time in the day and you got a lot of other meetings and everything. And, and I come away with a lot of information, you know, and I come mm-hmm. back, try to disseminate that and everything. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, these people are, are really, I mean, I mean, how do you come away with, uh, from 400 sessions and not be brainwashed into Completely. this bullshit. You know what I mean? I, I don't, I mean, it, it's just. So, I mean, if the experts are saying it must be true. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, really, I wanted to kind of just talk about why is understanding the WEF important? You know, and I said, number one, you know, they've been meeting since 1971, you know, and this is with leaders from tech, finance, government. They're all participating. You know, they're all collaborating as shared stakeholders okay you know and and uh, you know Klaus and his team are indoctrinating these new leaders so you know as they come up through the ranks he's quite open about their infiltration I don't have the clip here but you know he's talked about uh, over the years several individuals you know that that were what they had classified as I believe it was like uh, World Economic Forum young leaders, you know, that where they kind of rubber stamp. Oh yeah, them. I heard him saying. That. Yeah, yeah, and and so uh, uh, they're very open about that. They've done interviews talking about who those individuals are, and then uh, you know the collaborator Greta? is Greta one of them. Well, no, I mean he's talking about she's not in obviously elected office or anything. But he's <laughs> what is she? Fifteen? I don't know. <laughs> I think she's a robot. To be honest with you, <laughs> okay. but. Um, you know, the collaboration that they're speaking of, it's not things that are voted on by our Congress. You know, th- this is things where our leaders are going and, and meeting with these these uh, other participants, and they are coming to conclusions about how they're going to work together, you know, honestly, even if they can't get it done from a legislation standpoint, they're going to work together uh, uh, through more innocuous means. You know, they're, they're, well, maybe they're on to the fact that we're all on to the fact that governments don't, you know, they don't do shit, you know, like they write these policies, but they're, they really don't apply to anybody. I mean, it's just, it's just, we're all free, you know, individuals. Because, I mean, don't you think that, you know, there, there are ways to kind of find out, but don't you think that it should be, um, common knowledge, who's attending this, you know, who from your elected government Mm -hmm. is attending this, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's people at the state level, at the, uh, 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 federal level, whatever. But it doesn't matter though. It just sounds like a big show. So where where do you They're just spreading this propaganda and if you buy into it, then your, your future is very grim. Yeah. And and that's a great point. And, and uh, 
because you know the the question that we were kind of bringing up there they earlier they just make themselves seem yeah. so important and such experts and so altruistic and at the end of the day they are just putting the show i mean they they are orchestrating the whole show to give the illusion well let's let's hear so let's see who is um is is commenting on them. So let's hear because because I haven't heard very many uh, uh, senators or representatives uh, comment on the World Economic Forum. Be it that it just happened, very few of them said anything. But we do have a clip from uh, Senator Rand Paul, which you know, we focused on him before. Um, so let's hear what what he has to say here. Okay, they're just a bunch of globalists right. hanging out and coming up with too many bad ideas. Rand Paul, Kentucky Senator, and he joins me now. Should the American people be scared when the richest people in the entire world get together at a swanky conference and hatch these crazy ideas about how to make our lives better? Well, you know, if they really cared, they could have ridden with me. I was on a plane this morning. I was a category on Southwest Airlines. And, you know, hey, that's something. Wasn't a private jet, but they could have saved. When you're on a private jet, they're spending five times as much of a carbon footprint. So if they really cared about that, they could ride on commercial airlines. But they aren't. They're elitist. But the other real danger here that's even more danger than all their phony caring about carbon footprint, the real danger is this. Look how bad your government is in a country where you get to vote for these people. This would be a government, a world government, where you don't get to vote on anybody. This is everybody's worst nightmare. The bureaucracy that we have trouble in our United States because we don't get to vote on them, we vote indirectly. Can you imagine the one world bureaucracy of all these elitists and their private jets that would rule our, our country and we wouldn't get to vote? So I'm dead set against this. And they used to call people who talked about one world government, they used to say, oh, it's a conspiracy. We would always say, no, it's in their mission statement. They say <laughs> it at every meeting. That's what they're for. But uh, lock, lack of sovereignty means lack of freedom, and it means lack of responsiveness, and it's completely antithetical to everything our country stands for. And I don't want to put down Bill Gates and these guys. You know, they do a lot for charity. That, But when you hear them kind of just dismiss inflation or, you know, oh, you know you're going to have to go through some pain in order to kind of go with my idea, you know, the American people hear that and they think, come on, man, you're not, you're not serious, are you? But it's not only insensitivity because they've never been to a grocery store and have no idea what things cost, but it's also that we now have a whole set of our political spectrum that's out there saying it's caused by greed. If you were in a third grade, third grade class, I would give you a failing grade if you told me inflation was caused by greed. That is the dumbest explanation, the most implausible, and that lacking all facts that someone would try to put forward. Inflation cause is caused by an increase in the money supply that increases the demand. It's done because we spend too much money. The Federal Reserve prints it up to borrow it. It floods the economy and drives prices up. If you don't understand that, they'll never get it any better. And my prediction is it's going to get a lot worse before November. What do you think about this tr tracking technology they're cooking up? They're going to track your your carbon footprint. I mean, I think that these liberals are already stressed out enough, Senator. Yeah. Imagine when they find out, like, everything they do is, is killing the, the ozone. I mean, they're going to go crazy. They're going to start yelling at us. 
Yeah, privacy is not much of a concern for these kind of people. So not only do they want to track you for your carbon footprint, the WHO has announced, you know, they're forming a treaty, and it's going to be this treaty for the next pandemic. But in the next pandemic, it's not going to be a, a, a Washington-based mandate on vaccines or a Washington-based social distancing or masks. It's going to be an international one, and they actually want to track everybody with a QRS code. I think that goes beneath the surface right back <laughs> here, but I'm not sure how how they get it in you, but uh, no, I mean, it's no laughing matter. It is very worrisome, but whenever they talk about it, they have absolutely no concern for privacy, and you're exactly right. They don't care about the individual. They don't know people like us. They've never been on a bus. They've never been on Southwest Airlines. They've never driven a car. Most of them have never even driven their own car. So these are not the kind of people we want telling the rest of us what to do. All right, Senator Rand Paul from Kentucky. Flies commercial. Let it be known. Thank you so much, Senator. All right, Senator Rand Paul. We usually I mean, like him, but yeah, it was a little. It was a little uh, good. Good interview, but the dude is like, oh, because Bill Gates, you know, he's done so much. Well, you got to remember, this is Fox News. Uh, okay, Fox News is just as janky as any of the other ones. You know, they can they, we just move to a mountain somewhere? We we did. <laughs> <laughs> We did do that, okay? We uh, still have to listen to this. But but I mean, you know, I appreciate that response from Rand, but I mean, I, I don't think he goes far enough. You know, I, well, I think he almost makes baby it. Steps. Baby steps. Baby steps. Yeah. I mean, at least somebody's commenting on it. Yeah. And by the way, we do want to give credit where credit is due, even if he does isn't that great. That was Jesse Waters on uh, Fox mm -hmm. News. I think mm -hmm. he's the... Uh, the Go new Jesse. Bill O'Reilly or something. Oh, is he? <laughs> I don't know. I don't watch Fox News, but uh, I've seen more and more clips from him. But but I do think it it, it is important that we kind of understand the mindset of these people. And there was one um, uh, clip here, really quick. Now this is uh, you Yuval Noah Harari, which uh, some of you may be that some of you that, that do a lot of reading may be familiar with his book uh, Sapiens which was very popular a few years ago, which, um, you know, for, from everything I understand was really quite a good book. But Did it, you talk about monkeypox? No, no, I don't believe monkeypox sure? was in that. But um, uh, really, you listen to this. Now, he, he is actually obviously a member of the World Economic Forum. He's actually an advisor to Klaus Schwab. He's like his right-hand man. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, you know, this clip... He must be important. Well, anyway, let's just listen. I just think it's, it's, it's a little kooky. We are probably one of the last generations of Homo sapiens because in the coming generations we will learn how to engineer bodies and brains and minds. Now how exactly will the future masters of the planet look like? This will be decided by the people who own the data. Science is replacing evolution by natural selection with evolution by intelligent design. Not the intelligent design of some god above the clouds, but our intelligent design and the intelligent design of our clouds, the IBM cloud, the Microsoft cloud, these are the new driving forces of evolution. And at the same time, science may enable life after being confined to, for four billion years 
to the limited realm of organic compounds, science may enab enable life to break out into the inorganic realm. Yeah, forget about God. Now it's, uh, what is it, IBM, Microsoft? Yeah, did you like that Whoever plug? owns the data. That plug for uh, Bill Gates. Yeah. Microsoft Cloud. They are the gods now. Forget about the God in the clouds. Who who owns the data? Mm -hmm. that, that's what it's all about. And you know... I uh, mean, if I was a conspiracy theorist, I would say this sounds a little bit Luciferian. I mean, it's so on the nose. It's so on the nose. I mean... Why can they not get away with it these days? You, you have to wonder if people are just so dense if they even listen to these things and, and say uh, they have any problem. They're like, oh, I guess that's good. You know, or I mean? it was probably taken out of context. He really didn't mean that. Well, now there's there's one clip. Okay, that was just well. There's one clip though that we we the most nauseating. We clip. were trying to find the. Um, the full clip. Well, the yeah, and, and we didn't, and so you have to think that there is some uh, so context these were, these, that we're missing. This was part of the meeting. The one you just played was part of the it meeting was, too. Yes, okay, yes. and this one you're going to play is also part of the meeting. Y yes, yes, it is. And uh, wow. but but we do not have the context right now. We're trying to find if we can find it, we'll put it in a future episode. We'll also link to it. Yeah, the, it's kind of like the Bill Gates. Um, TED Talk? Yeah, yeah. About it, it, uh, reducing it, it, the population. It's formula. one of those ones you, you, you can't quite figure out what they're talking about. And then all of a sudden he drops something. You're like, did he just say that? <laughs> and people are like, well, you just didn't listen. And to again, this thing. is Albert Borla, the CEO of Pfizer. So mm -hmm. let's go ahead and take a listen on this. Mm -hmm. I think that uh, it's really a fulfillment of a dream that we had together with my leadership team when we started in 19. What a dream. Uh, the first week we met in January of 19 in California and to set up the goals for the next five years. And one of them was by 2023, we will reduce the number of people in the world by 50%. I think today this dream is becoming a reality. Okay, so... Right from the horse's mouth. So there, there's there's two things going on there that is kind of messed up. Number one, that he said that. Oh, my God. Did he say that? Did he say that? Well, should we just listen one more time? Yes. Okay, okay. Please, here, okay, please. Because I, I think I misunderstood okay. what he said. I think that uh, it's really a fulfillment of a dream that we had together with my leadership team when we started in 19. Uh, the first week we met in January of 19 in California and to set up the goals for the next five years. And one of them was by 2023, we will reduce the number of people in the world by 50%. I think today, this dream is becoming a reality. Okay, so hear that clapping? Yeah. They but, are so excited. So again, I want to put out there, because you know, we like to be transparent, that, that you know, I'm, I'm really hoping there's some additional context there. And so we're trying to find <laughs> Hopefully that. he did not mean what we think that he meant. But, uh, but if he did, I mean, you, you just wonder, maybe, ho hopefully it's okay. just his okay. accent. And Who is his, this dude? The CEO of Pfizer. Mm -hmm. Okay. CEO of Pfizer. Mm -hmm. Reducing the population by 50% by 2023. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's just around the corner. So, 
Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm still just trying I, I, I'm to speechless. chew through it. I mean, I, and I'm. I'm frantically looking for the longer clip because I got to hear the. If uh, you have the longer clip, go on our Telegram group and share it. The collective, you share. The Collective Resistance Podcast on Telegram. Yeah, yep. look us up. Join the conversation there. Join the conversation. Debunk us, please. Yes, please debunk please us. Please debunk need us. That. But but I mean I, I I do want to point out on a on a positive note I mean the um, I can't remember what they in a called positive it. The, the, note this is all propaganda well yeah the peacocking that's going on with these people you know where they're just kind of coming right out and mm-hmm. saying it, it's really they I, really want to make it seem like they're winning I think it's a confidence issue yeah mm-hmm. and so they're just openly talking about this stuff like hey this is already decided on yeah. And it isn't. We already have the technology. We're just doing the final testing. Yeah, before we roll it out on you. And and this is not the case. You know, this has not been... uh, uh, I mean, there are still sovereign governments, Mm -hmm. uh, and things still do have to go through some checks and balances. And so, you know, we can't turn this around with, uh, you know, even the defunct system that we have. You know, there is is a way to stand up and... uh, and protest this, and I think, or that, just say no, or just say no, just do not comply, do I'm not uh, participate. Them. You know, so there, you had this one clip, which uh, this Neil you Oliver don't have clip. to participate. Yeah, we're not participating. We are not. Now, uh, I, I was asking you, and I didn't hear when we were listening to one of those previous clips. We were talking about the treaty. You, you, oh yes, we will talk about that in. Follow-up episode. Follow-up episode. Treaty, which again, more propaganda. And the treaty is related to the, the World Health Organization. They which, need our creative power Yeah. to buy into their dream for it to become a reality. Mm-hmm. Because without us, it can't become They can't a, make it happen. Yeah, it can't become a reality. Yeah. So on that note, do you want to do the Neil Oliver? Yes, clip? because okay. it's the best. Okay, like this dude, I think he's Irish. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's just fun listening to him talk. Yes, and it's amazing. And this is really what we want to focus on. This is what we want to continue to create. We want to thrive and prosper. And uh, let's just mention Neil Oliver is... Um, he is independent journalist, earthnewspaper.com. Uh, so uh, you can uh, also reach him at neiloliver.com, and we'll put those links in the uh, show notes. So he's got a little program. But let's listen to his uh, Irish antics, shall we? The usual suspects have been in Davos again at the World Economic Forum, overseen by Klaus Schwab. The few hundreds of the most unimaginably rich gathered in one place to fantasise together about what the several billions of us ought to be forced to do in order to make those billionaires' lives better. Those poor billionaires, for whom everything on earth might finally be perfect if only someone would invent the vacuum cleaner big enough to suck every last one of us peasants' inconsequential specks of dust that we are into outer space once and for all. While listening to whichever one on stage is pontificating about this or that technological advance or about how to better structure civilization itself, I find it best to imagine they have the high-pitched, excitable voices of children, like in those TV adverts for chewy jelly sweeties, 
When I do that, I'm reassured by their evident ridiculousness, their patent lack of a grasp on the reality of what this human species of ours is all about. Some of their ilk talk blithely about the millions, billions of useless eaters who might best be controlled and placated by drugs and video games. I hear it announced that it's already time to hack the human animal and implant technologies to make us better at being alive in the world. Some of them are apportioning to themselves nothing less than the power of God. It's precisely that genetic failing of theirs, demonstrably present in one billionaire or technocrat authoritarian after another, that will always be their undoing in the end. That glitch, that Achilles heel common to all of them, is their failure to note the still limitless potential of the unadulterated human being Mark I. They think they have us mapped, tracked and traced already, but they don't. There's another thing they collectively overlook or deny, at least to themselves, while making their plans and cooking up their little magic potions. And it's fear, their own fear, their all but overwhelming fear of all of us. Whether or not they're aware of it, they are motivated, those few hundred richy richists, by fear of the billions of us. They look out at us, down on us from their castle walls, and our presence in all our endless, untidy, unpredictable variety, and they're afraid. They don't really understand us, they don't really get us, and it's that which has made them fearful. People always fear what they don't understand. When you get right down to it, they'd probably rather we just weren't here. But we are here. We are here and every last one of us, white, black or brown, tall or short, good at maths or good at growing plants or good at putting smiles on the faces of those around us or whichever small fragment of the miraculous each of us has within us, every last one of us has the same unalienable right to a place on this planet as any one of them, Klaus Schwab, Bill Gates, whoever, has no more right to be here to live the best life available here than you or me. You may have heard or read by now about the slowly boiled frog. It's that notion that you can put a frog in a pot of cold water and turn on the heat beneath. Poor frog doesn't know what's happening. And so, according to the story, is slowly and unknowingly cooked to death. We're invited to think that we are like that frog, that we are helpless to identify the danger we're in, far less to extricate ourselves from our plight. Here's the thing. It's not true. Back in the 19th century, a scientist of sorts removed a frog's brain and found it would indeed remain in the steadily heating water until dead. But much more recently, in the 20th century, biologists tried the experiment with healthy, complete frogs and found that every single one of them leapt out long before it was in any real danger. Sometimes the frog wouldn't stay in the pot even when there was no heat under it at all. Clearly, the lesson there is that only brainless frogs get boiled alive. I would offer here a helpful analogy. We placed ourselves in a pot called the social contract. This is a way of describing the relationship we proles have with the state. Put simply, under the terms of the social contract, we agreed to behave and do our bit, and in return the state kept us safe from crime and undue suffering and protected our rights and freedoms. That was the deal. A while ago, though, even before the adventures of COVID-19, the state turned the heat on under the pot. It takes a while and each one of us frogs becomes aware of the change at a different moment. But sooner or later, one frog after another realises the water has become unpleasantly warm and jumps out. 
I feel this is what is happening now. That's what's been happening for years. More and more healthy frogs with brains intact are getting out of the pot, turning their backs on the social contract. For those who thought they could cook us without us knowing, this is a frightening time. The billionaires, technocrats and autocrats can sit together in Davos and squeak excitedly to one another all they want, but they're in another pot, a pot of their own elitism, and the heat under theirs is rising too. I am wired to look back in time in search of answers to problems. Given the assumption that there's nothing new under the, under the sun, that a version of whatever is happening now has likely happened in the past, I look to see how things played out. Nearly 2,000 years ago, the Caledonians of the north faced off against a Roman army led by a Roman governor called Agricola. Among much else, the Roman Empire wanted submission from those people they deemed lesser, inferior. According to Agricola's son-in-law, Tacitus, the Caledonians were led by one they called Calgacus, which means the swordsman, who rallied his forces with these words, or words like them. To all of us, slavery is a thing unknown. There are no lands beyond us, and even the sea is not safe, menaced as we are. And thus, in war and battle, in which the brave find glory, even the coward will find safety, unpolluted by the contagion of slavery. The furthest limits of Britain are thrown open, and the unknown always passes for the marvellous. But there are no tribes beyond us, nothing indeed but waves and rocks, and yet more terrible Romans, from whose oppression escape is vainly sought by obedience and submission. Robbers of the world, having by their universal plunder exhausted the land, they rifle the deep. If the enemy be rich, they are rapacious. If he be poor, they lust for dominion. Neither the East nor the West has been able to satisfy them. Alone among men, they covet with equal eagerness poverty and riches. They create a devastation and call it peace. I read about those Romans and see the model for every autocratic empire there ever was and there ever shall be, from whose oppression escape is vainly sought by obedience and submission. The Romans were the victors of the battle in question, but they never did win either the submission or the obedience of those Caledonians. The Roman Empire declined and fell, of course, as every empire must. Empires used to last for centuries. The most recent last for just years. They fall, the world kings, faster and faster every time. The strutting peacocks of Davos, the World Economic Forum, the United Nations and the World Health Organization are no Romans, but they want our obedience and submission and have endeavoured to obtain as much by stealth. They thought we wouldn't see them, wouldn't see what they were doing, that we wouldn't feel it, but we did, and we do. They sought to exploit our good nature. Give the devil his due, the social contract was good while it lasted, we had peace a lot of the time, rule of law, personal freedom and protected rights that passed from generation to generation. That was then though, and this is now. Now a handful of frightened billionaires and their enablers seek to make the pot a prison. By the manipulation of fear and the application of propaganda, they want us to be and to remain forever as frightened as they are. They tell those of us who've noticed that we're being silly, that nothing of the sort is happening. This is gaslighting. And that is the gas that's already lit under the pot. But look at what they've done. Having slipped and shouldered their way further and further into our lives, every aspect of our lives, they've only made a mess of everything. For all their wealth and their so-called wisdom, we're all about to get poorer, colder and hungrier. Already millions have had their health, 
physical, mental or both hopelessly compromised. It's increasingly hard not to see this as having been the plan all along. After all, surely no one in authority is stupid enough to have caused all this harm by accident. As far as I'm concerned, the social contract has been broken. Not by we, the many law-abiding, tax-paying majority, but by the few of the state. Of course, an analogy only goes so far. We're not frogs. We are human beings. This is our country, our world. In the moment we decide collectively that we have nothing to fear from those who would take advantage of our good nature, in that moment the fear is gone and somewhere in their hearts and somewhere in their heads, the billionaires in Davos must know it too. All right, I think that was very well said. We'll leave it We're at not that. frogs. We have nothing to fear. I like it. All right, Fabi, what do you want to tell everybody? Hey, everybody, thanks for listening. Stay healthy, stay safe, and stay curious.